0: I mean, mindfulness and meditation aren't necessarily the same thing. Meditation, obviously, is a practice of turning inward and tuning in rather than tuning out. That's kind of one way I like to kind of look at it, right? Whereas mindfulness, meditation can be used as a and should be used as a, as a way, as a modality or kind of an intervention to help build self awareness. Right. So the way that, you know, kind of a textbook definition of mindfulness these days is, you know, moment to moment awareness, awareness of self awareness of what we do, what makes us tick and combined with kind of a general acceptance of what's arising in the present moment. So What that looks like is very often we have this idea that things are supposed to be one way and not supposed to be another way, right? Or things were supposed to be comfortable and not uncomfortable. But what mindfulness can do is it can help widen the window where we can deal with more. We're more resilient when discomfort arises. The idea that let's say we have three buckets of experience, right? If we have positive experiences and negative experiences and neutral experiences, right? This idea that a lot of us, for for good part of our lives, are searching for ways to get out of the discomfort, when in actuality, discomfort is part of life. It's part of the human experience is to be uncomfortable, right? And We experience pain. We're going to experience physical difficulties we're going to experience maybe mental and uh, emotional difficulties so for me mindfulness is really about how do we build resilience when discomfort or difficulty comes to us which we know it will that's the piece right we have to we have to expand
1: Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that would help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akira. Hey everyone and welcome to episode number 31. I am so excited to have you here today and I want to tell you about an exciting news and a project that I'm working on right now. I am so excited to tell you guys that I'm hosting my first retreat in the DMV area. So it's going to be in Maryland, United States. So if you are in the country, please come over. We would love to have you because we have space to for you to stay obviously. So it's going to be a weekend retreat and I'm going to have guests, such as Mzakiya, where we're going to have a spiritual healing starting on Friday. And then during the weekend, we're going to have yoga med- yoga with a meditation session, journal therapy. We're going to have a water aerobic and a swim lesson with me. We're going to have a nutrition workshop, myofascial tissue, the posture of prayers, a body of Jenna, and art therapy. And we're going to have so much fun because we're going to have time downtime to ourselves. We're going to be doing activities and so much more. So please, if you are interested to sign up on the list, send me an email at befitforakhira at dreamman.com or head over to my website, befitforakhira.com. Also, you can send me a DM or a personal message on Facebook if you follow me on social media at befitforakhira. So this retreat is going to be Uh, weekend so we're gonna start on friday inshallah and end on sunday and so again to sign up on the list please send me an email because we're gonna have a limited space of 20 people maximum so i would love love to have you and if you cannot come inshallah you can come again in the future so hopefully this goes really well and I'm super optimistic about it. It sounds amazing because I have a venue that has a pool, an indoor pool. We're going to have a venue where we have our own place to stay. So women only retreat, no children. And so, of course, if you're wearing a headscarf, you can take it off and enjoy the time together. Come as a family, come as a community to connect, to learn and to grow. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce our guest. Micah Anderson. He is born in Connecticut and spent several of his teen years in and out of his placements due to struggles with drugs, crime, and anger. Around this time, he was introduced to a 12-step fellowship and after extensive travel overseas, began a personal meditation practice in the early 1990s and converted to Islam soon after. He began working with the Mind-Body Awareness Project in 2011 Since then, he taught retreats and led trainings on mindfulness, emotional literacy, and mental wellness in five countries and leads a weekly meditation group in the Bay Area. He is also the wellness director at Talif Collective, a Fremont, California, an organization that provides an alternative social and sacred space for Muslim converts and seekers. He is currently a MFT trainee with the Humanistic extension. Sentinel lens focusing on both trauma informed approaches and mindfulness based interventions. Micah draws from a wide variety of personal experiences, including over 20 years meditation practice, a deep understanding and passion for youth counterculture movements, and an experiential understanding of the world's wisdom traditions, which he loves to translate in or to incarcerated and at risk populations. Micah lives in Oakland, California with his wife and two children and received his master's in psychology from Sofia University in Palo Alto, California. He is currently undergoing supervision for his MFT license, which is so exciting. So today's episode, we talked about what is meditation really all about? What is mindfulness? What are the benefits of meditation mindfulness? How can... We apply meditation to our daily life, especially with our fitness journey, and of course, much more. So without any further ado, let's welcome Micah. Hey, I'm alaykum, Micah. How are you today?
0: Doing all right. How are you?
1: Alhamdulillah. Thank you for coming on the show. And would you please tell us about yourself and what you currently do?
0: Yeah, sure. So I... Uh... Currently, work as a director at two separate organizations. The first is Tetleaf Collective, which is a semi sacred space for Muslims and seekers. And that is, uh, we have uh, two campuses, one in the Bay Area uh, in Fremont, California, and the other one is in Chicago. So I'm the director of wellness programming there. And I also am uh, an associate marriage family therapist in the state of California, where I see clients doing psychotherapy at Tetleaf for some of our beneficiaries. And then uh, while I'm there also, you know, in a teaching capacity, I, I help out with Tetleaf Academy, which is kind of the aspect of Tetleaf that deals with training. Training people to do similar work to what Tetleaf does. So we we do trainings throughout the U.S. in a variety of topics, a lot around holding space for people, learning how to kind of basic elements of uh, psychoeducation, that kind of thing. So that's my first position. And then the second job that I have is uh, also a program director, and that is at the Mind Body Awareness Project. So we're an organization that's been in existence about two decades in the Bay Area, and we do mindfulness-based and emotional intelligence interventions for incarcerated populations. So we work with both adults and with at-risk youth who are incarcerated in the San Francisco Bay Area. And then we also do trainings as well to train people very similar to what Titleaf does, right? To train people on how to do what we do, right? So how to engage youth, how to engage incarcerated populations in a way that's trauma-informed and connecting with with those populations.
1: That's awesome. For our audience, I would like to tell people how I met you. Yeah, Um, sure. So he, yeah, so he came over to, uh, he hosted a retreat with Center DC, a local organized space for Muslims in the DC area. And I attended his retreat about mindfulness. And it was really beneficial. So as a fitness professional, I'm a huge fan of like psycho work, I mean, psychology work, mental health, especially with emotional. Because I myself have been told that to work on my, my emotional intelligence, like to find out what I am. And I think I'm an active campaigner. So you can tell us if you want about it. But it's really, really important to take time out to learn about yourself, to reflect. And it's, uh, it's also from the sunnah, as we all know. So.
0: Sure, it is. sure, sure. That's a that's a great, you know, it's a great point you made, right? Is that, you know, we often, if we really look, you know, at the the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him and the companions, that he was able to create spaces that had safety and that fostered things like authenticity and vulnerability, right? The, the companions, there's many, many stories about the, you know, how the companions could come to the Prophet with Topics that were difficult to talk about, honestly, right? Things that they were struggling with, hopes, dreams, failures, struggles that they had, right? So I think it's important for us to, you know, contextualize that emotional intelligence and self-awareness, right? If we were to, you know, mindfulness obviously is the more modern day nomenclature for it, secular mindfulness, that kind of thing. But if we really just frame it as like an ability to be self-aware, right, aware of what makes us tit and why we do what we do. You know, going on that, that you know, the the adage, he who knows himself knows his Lord, or his or her Lord, right? So that's kind of where I think there's a very, very good intersection between some of these kind of modalities that we're talking about.
1: That's yeah. so true. And you also brought another point about how people approach the Prophet philosophy by being vulnerable. So for our audience, the event that he came, it was a closed space for us to like, you know, open up and I'm a very person who opens up about my own vulnerabilities. So I shared with Micah about like, since he also has a background profession with the relationship, <laughs> I shared about like, you know, like marriages and all that stuff. And then it was re- it really helped out to like talk it out loud. So if you find someone that you can trust or a professional such as Micah or in your local community, again, I really highly recommend that you do reach out and like just speak it out when needed. With that being said, would you please tell us then what is meditation and what is mindfulness?
0: Yeah, sure, sure. I could talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, mindfulness and meditation aren't necessarily the same thing. Meditation obviously is a practice of turning inward and tuning in rather than tuning out. That's kind of one way I like to kind of look at it, right? Whereas mindfulness, meditation can be used as a and should be used as a, as a way, as a modality or kind of an intervention to help build self awareness. Right. So the way that, you know, kind of a textbook definition of mindfulness these days is, you know, moment to moment awareness, awareness of self awareness of what we do, what makes us tick and combined with kind of a general acceptance of what's arising in the present moment. So What that looks like is uh, very often we have this idea that things are supposed to be one way and not supposed to be another way, right? Or things were supposed to be comfortable and not uncomfortable. But what mindfulness can do is it can help widen the window where we can deal with more. We're more resilient when discomfort arises. The idea that let's say we have three buckets of experience, right? If we have positive experiences and negative experiences and neutral experiences right this idea that a lot of us and for for good part of our lives are searching for ways to get out of the discomfort when in actuality discomfort is part of life it's part of the human experience is to be uncomfortable right and we experience pain we're going to experience physical Difficulties, we're going to experience maybe mental and uh, emotional difficulties. So, for me, mindfulness is really about how do we build resilience when discomfort or difficulty comes to us, which we know it will. That's the piece, right? We have to, we have to affect the difficulty or challenges. So, how are we engaging? Are we running from them or are we actually kind of meeting them head on? So, mindfulness is really about being more engaged in day-to-day life, right? It's the opposite of mindlessness. So a lot of times I like to teach, I'll I'll teach my mindfulness from its opposite, because I feel like in our society today, we're a lot more in touch with what it is to be mindless, right? To be on autopilot, to be distracted. One teacher talks about this idea of continual partial awareness that we're in, right? We're never really fully checked in, we're, we're always kind of, you know, going from one thing to the next or multitasking or, you know, skipping through our days, which turn into weeks, which turn into months, which turn into years. And the next thing, you know, you know, uh, decades have gone by, right? So how, uh, how can we learn how to reclaim time back for us and have time work for us, not work against us?
1: That's so true. And I believe also heard like a webinar about mindful eating, because also like That's something that we all struggle with, including myself, like eating, trying to multitask. And it's really bad, obviously, both for the food choices that we make and the body. But as you're speaking, I'm like reflecting being a fitness professional currently in the office by a pool next to me. People are swimming, practicing. And it made me like just reflect and think that even during our workouts, we can be mindful with our own like workouts. Instead of just like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this. But taking time to kind of like enjoy it being mindful with it, obviously, like, focus on the form, and like you said, with the resilience and the pain, we're also going to experience pain through that, or, like, being stressed out and not wanting to do the workout itself, and so learning how to deal with stress or the problems, being resilient, can also help us, hence back to the fitness journey that we're on.
0: No question. I mean, I, I totally agree with it, and I think, you know, when we start to, yeah, when we start to look at Ways of resilience, right? Ways of being resilient. I mean, there's physical, there's mental, there's mental, emotional, and then there's spiritual, right And i I like to suggest to people that that they should have pulses with all of those things. And when I say pulses, I mean, what are the weekly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly pulses that you have, right or that we have to to help ourselves physically, to help ourselves with mental, emotional opening and, and understanding, and then spiritual pulses, right? Which kind of fill us up, right? Because we know living in the modern day society is can be depleting, right? You know, there's a political kind of difficulties uh, throughout the world. There's increased, you know, just climate change and all of these kind of societal pressures that I think a lot of people are experiencing. Really in my experience, uh, have this depleting quality to them, right? I know that it's just, you know, just even being on social media can be depleting, right? When we're just kind of like constantly viewing challenging images and news that's, that's, sh- that's a struggle for us that, in on- and, and all honesty, can be very traumatizing, right? So it's like, what are the pulses that we have that can fill ourselves up? So I think the physical is essential. Right. Whether it's working out, whether it's, you know, something like running or jogging or martial arts or maybe more slow kind of movement where it's yoga or tai chi, all of these kind of things can be done with with some self-awareness. Right. Are we, like you pointed out, are we just doing another workout just to check it off the list of the things that we're doing each day to get to the end of the day? Or are we really engaged in the workout and appreciating the workout for, for what it is, right? And then, you know, when we move on to the the mental and the emotional and then the spiritual pulses, I mean, those can look like a lot of things. And I find that mindfulness practice when combined with a regimen, you know, as a as Muslims for those of those who are in the audience who are listening who are Muslim, I think, you know, combining some sort of spiritual pulse, which we have, right? We pray five times a day. We've got five pulses every day. We've got a yearly pulse of Ramadan. We've got, you know, we've got different types of monthly pulses that we should have with our spiritual practices, right? I think combining that with, as you pointed out, whether it's, open sharing with people or connection with people or maybe going to see therapist, or doing some reading about the brain and about, you know, different things like trauma resiliency. I think when you combine all of those things together, that's what really starts to build resiliency in people.
1: Yes. And hands down the social media because oh my gosh i could talk about it all day yeah (laughs) because it's so true like even i myself oh my gosh like i can talk all day because it has put me down so much and i'm sure it has put a lot of people down but yes it can be good and bad it depends on how we are taking it and like sometimes i ask myself why am i here why am i wasting my time here it's an ex-
0: Excellent question. Excellent question. Right. It, you know, not yeah. to, not to chalk up all social media as a complete waste of time. Right. But my experience with it when I was on social media for, for a period of time was that I was engaged less in the world that I'm actually living in because the virtual world is not the real world to me. Social media is not the real world. The real world is the one that I'm sitting in and that I'm breathing in. And it's the one where my family lives, and it's the one where my friends live, and it's the one where I live every day. Right. And what I found was when I, interesting, I did an experiment maybe about two years ago. It's like, let me, let me see what it's like to quit Facebook for a week, you know? And I did for a week, and that was two years ago. I never went back.
1: Oh my God. I, no. ne- <laughs> I never went
0: back to it. Yeah. So it was two years ago. And has there been a price to that? Yeah, a small one, right? You know, there's some people I'm not in touch with anymore and, you know, that kind of thing. But the overwhelming feeling of it has been more connection with the world in which I live, right? So it's less, I'm spending less time on my phone. I just spend less time on my phone. And to me, that's something I need in my life personally, right? And I'm not saying everybody needs that, but my guess is if we're really honest with ourselves, and all the people listening to this right now, if they're really honest with themselves, my guess is is that they do spend too much time on the phone, right? And the question I always ask people is, is the phone the first thing you see when you wake up and the last thing you see when you go to bed? And from most of us it is. What does that say?
1: And I say something, yeah. Oh my gosh. So first of all, no wonder why I couldn't find you on like social media. Because I tried to like look you up to like tag you and stuff, but yeah, I couldn't find
0: you. Yep, yep. You <laughs> and, and then the second else.
1: thing yeah, no, but the second thing, though, it's actually interesting that you mentioned the waking up sleeping. I'm so guilty have this as of today of the recording, because yesterday I woke up, I saw this post. Yeah, it was yesterday. I saw this post. And for some reason, like, I just, I don't know, like, it affected my entire mood right in the morning. And then, yeah, so it's something I'm I'm working on as we speak, but it's really hard because like as a business owner or like even as an influencer or what have you, that's kind of like one of the excuses that we have, like we needed to build a business. But what I'm focusing on is like to be more social, to like community first and then the whole virtual world. <laughs> but that's a whole episode to be talked about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a real important topic for people to, understand and to really be honest with themselves around. It's just, you know, learning how to set boundaries, right? And that's that's good practice for resiliency in general anyways, right? It's just learning how to set boundaries in our lives, right? Learning how to set boundaries around technology, learning how to set boundaries in relationship, for example, right? Learning how to set boundaries with ourselves or with work, right? And this is what technology starts to do if we don't set the boundaries ourselves. Work never ends, right? Because we're always connected so it's like are we answering emails and text messages that are work related when we're home when we're when we're not at work anymore and and many people do these days because the expectations just kind of start shifting right even without us knowing it or agreeing to it right this has happened to me and it's many people I know right or in that situation where they they feel like they can't there's no time when they can unplug and this is in my estimation really problematic today in our society so uh, for some you know people who want to try that kind of thing i suggest you know to try it try what try see what it's like to you know when get home from work put your one night a week put your phone in the top drawer of your dresser and read some books and and hang out with your family or you know what i'm saying like put it away for an evening a week and see what that feels like right and my guess is first there'll be anxiety right because it's like what am i missing out on right you know, that, you know, we talk about FOMO or like fear of missing out. And I, I like flipping it and say like, there's, there can be JOMO. We, there can be joy in missing out. Right.
1: Yeah. These are really great tips and inshallah that we can all work on it. Making no excuses, just ask yourself like, what are, why are you on like social media or why are you doing, like keep asking these questions, whether it's social media or work or anything you're working on, try to be mindful. Again, including social media. (laughs) Yeah. So if you can tell us then, I know we can't touch base on it, but what are the benefits of meditation and mindfulness?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I I think, you know, starting with just simple ability to, to manage stress, right, which we all experience, everyone experiences stress. The world exists because of stress, right? Cells exist because of stress. Stress, stress is a given, and stress is actually an important thing for us, right? Stress can be motivating in certain situations for us, right? And it can also be debilitating, right? So I think one of the main things that I've found, you know, is just the general ability to manage stress in a, in a more um, healthy, sustainable way. And then as you start to kind of get deeper with the, with the practice of, of mindfulness, so whether you're using meditation, right, specific techniques which help with, you know, help kind of ground ourselves in the body. So this idea that the mind will do what it does, and, and a lot of times, you know, right, anxiety exists in the mind, right, when we, we perceive a situation that's threatening or difficult, and then the, the brain starts to react. Stress, right? So what, what mindfulness can then start do after the stress is really start to understand, like, what our triggers are, right? So, like, are there certain things in certain situations that are particularly triggering for us? Maybe in relationships, right? Maybe... Maybe it's with particular emotional states that we struggle with, right? Maybe some of us don't deal with guilt well, or we don't deal with anxiety well, or we don't deal with grief well, which again, are all natural occurring, occurring emotional states that we're going to have as humans, right? So what it can start to then do is we start to know like what makes us tick and who, why we do what we do, right? The good, the bad, the ugly. So as the practice deepens and continues, we start to inhabit the body a bit more. We start to understand elements of the way... We think, the way that we act, the way that we engage with other people, it can help uncover even maybe more difficult things like personal struggles in our personal history or traumas that we've experienced from as early as childhood. So mindfulness can be even used as a therapeutic tool to help uncover parts of our past that may be missing. Right now, this kind of stuff I wouldn't necessarily encourage people to do on their own. I think that it's these are, this is where where it can go if that makes sense right if you kind of like if you keep drilling down right so it's like the first level is just like stress reduction and then you drill down more we start to kind of hit what in in psychotherapy we call core material. it's like who is Micah like who is Micah and is Micah who I think he is and is what is how can I? Be in relationship with Micah in a deeper, more authentic way. So I think when we start to really get down to the depths of like what mindfulness can do, it can help with building empathy. It can help with emotional intelligence and and a deeper understanding of emotional states. And then how do we engage those emotional states, right? So if we're the type of person who may have issues with anger or frustration, what do we do with those emotions when they arise? Right. Because anger, you know, anger is gonna happen, right? It's and it's this idea that what do we do with the anger? Are we acting on it in a skillful, healthy way, or are we birthing the anger in a way that's dysfunctional and harmful? Right. So I I believe that there's a way through mindfulness to start learning how to engage difficult emotional states in a better way. Which again, as we, you know, look back on what we talked about before, right, with these different types of Experiences, right? The positive, neutral, negative. A lot of times with difficult emotional states, we don't want to feel them because they're difficult. We don't want to feel anger. We don't want to feel grief. We want to feel good. We want to feel happy. We don't want to feel sad. But the bottom line is grief may be an actual important emotion for us to experience when we have loss. What's the opposite of grief? Apathy. I mean, if you lose somebody important to you, you want to, you do want to experience grief. It shows that you care. Right. But how do we start to gauge that grief in a way that's that's not going to be debilitating, to use that word again?
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm like laughing because there's so much I want to say about this. First of all, I'm laughing because have you watched the movie Inside Out?
0: No, I haven't. Oh, but <laughs> so, I know about it. Yeah, I know no. It. yeah, no. Yeah, That's yeah. so
1: funny. I just watched like about two weeks ago at my friend's house. And it's so funny because it's like a inside this like little girl's uh, mind and like. Right. It's like a five emotions and what have you. So right, right. the summary of the movie is that it's it's okay. You need to cry. You need to be sad to survive. Like you don't have to be happy like 24 seven because the emotions in the girl's head were like fighting each other and like they lost in the subconscious mind. And then it comes back and then sadness took over and the little girl cried to her parents. She was so sad because they moved away. But that just points like it is okay to cry and it's important to be sad. I mean it's not important but it is okay to experience and allow those emotions to play in your life, but then how you deal with it is what matters. And about anger, that's something I actually really struggle with and I reflect I'm a huge person reflection. So I I write in my diary. I have my diaries back in the day. And so as I'm reflecting and like asking myself like why do I get angry really fast? Because it's something that I can control. And like my history, my past plays a role. My environment plays a role. And as I attend like other events with women who are going through like emotional abuse or physical abuse or what have you, like all of that plays a role. But it's like not, you don't have to like live with it and be stuck with that anger reaction like for the rest of your life. But acknowledging that you, something that you struggle with, it's in my opinion, what's important.
0: Yeah, it's almost this idea of, like, name it to tame it, right? It's, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times we receive messages from family, from society, from from wherever as we grow up specifically that tells us we're supposed to feel one way and we're not supposed to feel another way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how, even as parents, right, many of us, you know, we, we maybe even not explicitly but even implicitly just kind of, like, promote that with our kids, right? It's just like don't be sad, be happy. Don't be this, be that, right? Don't be angry, be helpful, right? And while those messages are important for kids to get, we have to be careful with that because you don't want to devalue anyone's experience, right? Emotional experience. So if if someone's telling someone else that they're not supposed to feel a certain way that they're feeling, that can be really difficult for a person, you know, I've had that experience before, you know, and, and even in our, in our community, right, of of Muslims, like we've got, we've got imams uh, uh, on Fridays telling the, sometimes telling the audience if they're, if they're, you know, if they're sad, they're not practicing Islam properly. And that's not, and that, that is, that's not in line with the, with the, with the prophetic example I knew. So like you're, so you're telling me the prophet didn't get sad. That's not what I learned.
1: It's in the Quran, too, yeah. Like,
0: See, so... I was so about to I... say it. <laughs> yeah, please, you go, you go.
1: Oh, no, no, but I was about to say that because, like, Prophet Ibrahim he said, "I'm cried, and, like, it goes back how Allah subhanahu is in control of our emotions by the end of the day. Because when I had Dr. Mimino on my show, I told her, like, I just cried that one day out of no reason. And then she reminded me, like, it is, you know, Allah subhanahu in control.
0: That's right. That's right. And yeah. usually, there is a reason. Yep. Yeah. See, that's the, and that's where mindfulness can help, right? A lot of times we may experience emotional states that are confusing. We don't know why they're there, right? Anger, for example, or sadness, or maybe bouts of crying or whatever it may be. But when we start to really put ourselves under examination, that's really what mindfulness is about, is getting curious with our experience. It's like, hmm, why, what is this, right? What is this? Why is this, why, what is this? What is this that's arising inside of me and what can I learn from it? What is it telling, right? What is the inherent wisdom in that? Maybe there's some wisdom in crying, right? So what is that wisdom, right? So I think that's when we start to really get into like the depth of what self-awareness can, can do for us, right? It's not necessarily about controlling emotion, right? And I, 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 I use that word very, very carefully, because again many of us receive messages and we still receive messages that we're supposed to be quote unquote in control of our emotions right often that ends up looking like resisting emotions or denying emotions right or saying like i don't have an anger problem but you scream at everybody you meet right or you pop off at the smallest little thing so it's really about starting to be aware of what And I've used this term before, right? What our trigger points are like, what are the things that kind of set us off? And then going a level deeper, why is really the question we want to get to the why, right? Why is this? Why? Maybe it's because as a three-year-old kid, I received messages from my father saying, good boys don't cry, right? And I internalized that as an adult. And now I'm completely detached from the ability to cry. Whereas mindfulness can help kind of get to the root of that, right? And a lot of times, if it is you know substantial trauma from our childhood or you know early childhood trauma, we do need the help of a professional or or, or a therapist or um, psychologist or someone like that who can kind of help us navigate that because it can be a it can be very very difficult and confusing for people. Yeah,
1: thank you for mentioning that as a reference. If- anybody who's listening hasn't had a chance, I highly recommend to go back and listen to the episode with Jonathan on why men's men's health matter and how to overcome addiction. Because it's good to have a men's perspective. And as you said, a lot of times men do not know how to deal with their emotions or like they think it's not okay to cry. So that episode really talked about it from a man's perspective. But as a fitness professional, as you're speaking, I'm just thinking like it's so frustrating on my end to keep seeing on like social media or anywhere like people are consuming like these influencers or other fitness professionals who are just sharing and sharing and sharing workout videos but it's not enough because yeah it's good to like you know be motivated but then you can't just watch a video and then go do on your own and that's like not being mindful so that's another way on how to connect mindfulness to exercise fitness and social media world as well so, you did talk about the benefits. Then, how can we apply meditation into our day?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I urge people to start really simply. And again, that's prophetic practice, right? Doing something regularly. For a short duration, right? You know, a lot of people, when they first learn about mindfulness or they had a good experience with it, they're like, oh, cool. I'm going to, you know, meditate for 45 minutes a day, you know, for the rest of my life. And it's like, no, you're not. It's no one's going to, you know, that's a very, very tall order. Right. So I I encourage people to start, start easy, right. Find a, find a recording, you know, if that's helpful of some guided meditation with just some basic like mindfulness of breath. That's usually the first place or one of the early places to kind of start with is just the breath, right? Is learning how to be curious about the breath and using the breath as like an anchor to the present moment, right? Because the idea that the breath is moving, it's something that we can bring attention to, we can focus on. And even right now, as you're sitting there, right, listening to this or, 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 or whatever you're doing, you can actually start to feel the breath right you feel it going in and out right maybe it's at the tip of the nose maybe it's the rib cage expanding and contracting right so what we do with that practice is we we try to link the mind or the you know the the focus of the mind on the sensation of the breath right so then the mind starts to drift off to the future or to the past and every time it drifts off we catch it whenever we do and if it's after a minute fine if it's a second fine if it's 10 minutes fine and then we come back to the breath And it's, that's what the process of, of mindfulness meditation is. It's, it's one of forgetting and remembering, drifting off and coming back. So it's not like we're trying to stop thought from happening, but it's more that thoughts kind of start to, they kind of go into the background a little bit, right? And that the foreground is the body, right? Is the breath. So what I would suggest for people is start with, you know, a couple days a week, maybe five minutes a day or six minutes a day, sit down, find a place that's quiet. If you feel like it's helpful to close your eyes, that's great. You don't have to close your eyes. Find a point and focus on it. You can sit in a chair. You can stand. You, as you pointed out, there's mindful eating where we're, you know, kind of experiencing the, the sensations of chewing and taste and it's really slowing down the process of eating, right? There's mindful walking when we're focusing on each step that we're taking, right, kind of intentionally, so with the with the sitting practice of mindfulness, yeah, find a, find a space that's quiet. Sit down, get comfortable. Sit in a way that's upright and not uptight, and just start to go within and track the breath. Now, a lot of people do find that recordings are helpful in the beginning, and there's plenty of books and reading materials. I mean, there's no shortage of pointers and and websites and books and materials on mindfulness and how to do it. So I hope that helps a little bit.
1: It does a lot, actually, because on the on my podcast, the interview with Imam Misam, he and I did talk about meditation, the breath work, especially in terms of like how it helps with the Quran recitation on his end. Then I brought it back to fitness journey, and then we ended it with an actual exercise of breath work, and then a small segment on meditation with bringing Allah's names into it. So if anybody wants an actual audio, go back to that episode. It's toward the end. It's really helpful, so I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, um, and I, I think that just one, one last thing, too, yes. on that note, like, you know, the practice of like just tracking the breath, right, sitting down for, you know, for a period of time each day, What what I found was that it starts showing up then in other areas, right? So, for example, Maybe I'm a little bit more checked in and a little less distracted when I pray, for example. That, that's one benefit that I've found, right? Because we all know that when we go to pray, the mind starts to wander. It drifts, right? It goes to different places and it goes to the future and the past and starts thinking about stuff that we shouldn't necessarily be thinking about when we're praying. But that's what the brain does, the brain thinks. So mindfulness, think of mindfulness as a tool to be able to bring ourselves back into the present moment. Well, that's a skill that I think we could we could put into a lot of different areas, right? Into our worship, into our physical workouts, into eating, into relationships, right? So it really then starts to widen the scope of where the benefits start to be show up, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. I feel like we can talk about this all day. There's so much, and it's really important, especially with the prayers, as you said. If Are there any questions that I should have asked, but I didn't?
0: Hmm. Probably lots, (laughs) Um, probably lots, but maybe we can save them for part two if if, uh, you'll have me back someday.
1: I will, inshallah. So a really good summary of this amazing talk is that, guys, take time out of your busy day. You know, hit the little pause button, reflect, meditate, and then be mindful. So besides social media, where can someone stay in contact with you?
0: Excellent question. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can give, I, I can hand out an, an email address. I can give you my maybe the Mind Body Awareness one. So it's it's just Micah M I C A H, and then at project dot
1: Awesome! And everyone listening, check in the show notes to check it out, and I'll have the links for you to also refer back. thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And that pleasure. We, of course, and inshallah so we can have a part two of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'd be great.
1: Inshallah. Cool. Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for Akhirah.